Hello, hello, hello. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, please. I hope all is well. Everything's going great. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me. Please, super, super, super excited for you to join us. So welcome, everybody. We have Naila here. Um, so we can get started right away. So um, thank you for everybody who's tuning in today. We're already at nine. So this is a very good show. Um, yeah. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Growth. And once again, you know, every Monday we're here talking about mental health, connecting with community leaders, and just really trying to learn. Um, today we have a very pressing topic. And once again, I just before we get to it, um, please, please be um, reminded that we are using technology. So if things do buzz out a bit, just do hang on and we're going to get right back onto it. Today's a very special day because, you know, it's a lot going on in the community. And once, a, once in a while, we have to always bring on an expert to really help us. Today, we're talking about relationships. We're talking about the family. We're talking about marriage. We're talking about what constitutes a marriage. We're talking about what a family is. We're talking about how the pandemic has affected the family. And hopefully, we could get to talking about what is an entanglement and all this craziness that's going on around the world right now. Um, today, we're talking about family law and mental health, and we're so happy to have with us um, Naila Gordon Decisio. Um, Naila is a Toronto-born lawyer who's recognized as an important voice in the community amongst advocates. Um, she's one of the first Canadian female lawyers to receive the nation's best top 40 under 40 award and presently represents Canada as an elected member of the Global Can Jamaican Diaspora Council. Yeah. Naila is also the current chairperson for the deciding committee for the Jamaican Canadian Community Emergency Response Fund, and this is for the COVID-19 program. Um, Naila specializes in legal affairs, um, specifically focusing on business, family law, and social justice. We're so, so, so happy to have her with us. Please, Naila, I know I'm trying to read out your bio, but please tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. Well, I think you've shared a good idea of what I do. I'm a person who is passionate about advocacy. This started during my school years when I was serving communities on different boards and associations. And what I found was that it was so important to create a voice for those that were less vulnerable or the most vulnerable in our societies. I am a second generation lawyer. And so I've had firsthand experience with understanding how members of our community have come into con conflict with the justice system. And it was only natural for me to desire to pursue law after I completed my undergraduate studies in business um, to carry that torch. And so I am a part of a mother-daughter legal team. Wow. <laughs> and thank you. And we specialize in criminal defense, commercial law, as well as family law, which has brought me here to speak with you today. You know what, that, that, I know you said a lot even just right there in terms of, you know, your passion. And I mean, law is such a big passion. It's such a big, and it's actually just a big um, field altogether. So how did you decide on family law? Like, I know you say you talk and you care about people, but how did you decide on family law? It was, to me, it was a no-brainer. The reality is each and every one of us are part of a family. And one of the things that we found um, while we were exploring the criminal justice system is that a lot of times when families maybe unfortunately found themselves in a domestic violence situation, not only would a criminal offense arise from that, but it would also lead to proceedings before a family court in order for orders to be issued, usually in respect of how uh, parents would manage issues concerning the children, be it custody, access, uh, child support. And so 
although I had started out in the commercial field, that's where I was trained, I did some criminal defense work. We offered our services um, to expand to family law services because they truly do complement situations that involve the criminal justice system. Okay, so I remember when I used to see you back in the courthouse, probably like 2012, 2013 times, were you there? I know I was there for some child welfare work. Um, I, was yeah. in law, I was in court for that. Were you there for this, like, were you there for family law at that time or? So it actually was criminal defense. We worked a lot with the youth here in Peel. And what we kept finding was that there was a trend in terms of families running into difficulties and children being caught in the middle. And what we discovered is that we had already built a trustworthy and reliable relationship with our clients. So many of them had asked, do we offer this service? And that's when I took it upon myself to start learning what it would take to be able to service those families. And I think one of the most important aspects of it is really ensuring that people recognize that the law is relatable, right? It, we intersect, intersect with the law every day, whether we know it or not. Um, I think it just usually reveals itself, unfortunately, when we come into conflict with it. Okay, all right. So um, I know you said a family like five, six times. Yeah. How do you define the family? I know we're talking about family law today, but I know the family is such a big comp. Like we all come from families, you know, and probably we all have different definitions. So how do you define a family? Well, I define family as a place where you have your first relationship. Your first relationship actually happens between yourself and your mom, right? That's your first entry into the world, and that's a place where you're normally socialized. If you have the privilege of coming into a household where there's dual parents, sometimes family arrangements can also look very different. But I think the concept of family is a level of closeness, who your support system's with. Sometimes it may not be the people that you are biologically related to. It's the people that you identify with. Um, and what you build your frame of reference around. So I remember, I know when I was in child welfare, those times, you know, you really get to see how important the family is. Sometimes if you're looking for arrangements for a child, you know, and different things as such. So why is the family so important, at least from your family lens? It's important because it is the first place where you establish your identity. And I know that there's a lot of questions around identity entity right now in terms of systemic discrimination and systemic change. But when you really look at the heart of it, it's how you identify yourself in the world, how you present yourself to others, what you understand as your heritage. You know, there's, um, I believe it's an African proverb, uh, Sankofa, in order to know where mm -hmm. you're going, you have to know where you're coming from. Know where you're coming right? from. So, well, right. So in order to do that, that is really what family defines and creates for us a place that okay. we can it safe okay so i know um just kind of thinking um family law in this in and of itself is a huge topic you know i mean or broad concepts i know i when i was i guess i was part of the child welfare system in those days um so what else consists of family law you know in terms of like when you're looking at family law what what constitutes family law well i think what let's just start with sort of an idea right we all are here with our families or we're born into this world. You go on to have a relationship with someone. You can choose to legally marry that individual or you can continue to maybe live in the same place with them, go on to have children. 
If you choose not to get legally married, that's known as being common law, right? And if you live in a relationship with someone in the same place for a period of three years here in Ontario, that qualifies as common law. If you end up having a child with an individual and cohabitate in the same place, it's only one year that it's required to be common law. Mm. Now, if you go on and choose to get legally married, that, um, and that union can also involve children. It may not. And ultimately, when we usually think about family law is when we come into what we know is a breakdown in the relationship, right? And um, I mean, the law, there are different acts that govern this. And I should say that anything that is shared during this conversation is legal information. It is not legal advice. Okay, so I'm going to put that disclaimer out there. Um, but what you find is that if there's a, a breakdown in the relationship, that will lead to what the law defines as a separation. And you'd have to be separated for one year, so 12 months from the date that you're separated up until that 12 months um, expiry date. That's when you can apply for a divorce. And a divorce is actually an order that is either made by the court or an agreement that's made between two people um, that indicates that you are no longer legally married. Okay, so you're talking about, um, you know, I guess what breaks down. The breakdown of the family is what a lot of times we're, we're worried about, right? Because that's when we, you know, we get the lawyers involved. So um, we know right now we're going through a pandemic. There's so much things going on. Um, how has the pandemic affected the family? Because I know you're probably seeing some things. So what do you see from your lens? So let's think about this. Many of us have been forced to stay indoors because we're practicing social distancing. That has led for parents working remotely, for children learning virtually, right? E-learning. And so what's happened is many people have been spending more time at home together. And that, has, that closeness has either brought us closer together or further apart. What we've also found is that usually financial difficulty has come into play because some people have been unable to work remotely, may have experienced a loss of employment, right? Or they may be receiving funds but no longer working on a full-time basis, they're down to a part-time basis, um, or maybe in receipt of government assistance which does create limitations and ultimately fights over money, right? That can cause distress on the family. Another issue that can arise is infidelity, right? Mm. What we find, and that might segue to our entanglement conversations, but ideally what you find is that sometimes people no longer are as interested as they used to be, right? And so it may cause one of the partners to step out of the relationship um, and and start an entanglement or get entangled with someone else. Yeah. Um, and this may be usually connected to different reasons like anger or resentment, or they could have real fundamental differences in terms of just growing apart. Um, you also find issues in terms of falling out of love, right? Sometimes when you actually spend a bit more time around someone, you have a clearer idea of who they are today and the values that they that they've that they currently have and that may no longer align with what you 
envision for yourself where it may no longer serve you. And so you may fall out of love or there could be a lack of compatibility, right? And ultimately seeing that that healthy and loving relationship that you once fostered has somehow evolved, resulting again in some level of frustration, detachment or resentment. Um, and then sadly, one of the other major causes is domestic abuse, right? Because of what we're experiencing, some of us have either turned to addictions, those have may, may have also progressed during this time, um, and may lead to actual conflict within the family and violence within the family that right. has so, led down. So, I mean, you, you named a whole bunch of challenges and this is a lot, you know, so really um, I, I could always see when does a person talk to a lawyer? Like, you know, when is the right time to talk to a lawyer? When do you start consulting, um, I guess, with somebody? Yep. I'm going to honestly say do it as early as possible. One of the hardest things is to navigate a system that you may not totally understand. And it may sound cliche, but it is important to reach out to a lawyer that is knowledgeable in family law. My doors are open and I'm always happy to help. I think it's really important that individuals understand what the law offers and also in terms of a rights, as well as your obligations under the law when you're experiencing these difficulties, right? And so by talking to a lawyer, you can ultimately explore your options so that you can make an informed decision about what's best for you and your family. Okay, so I mean, that's, you don't always have to go through a lawyer. So in situations where people call you and you find like, you know, you have two people who are very reasonable, how do they kind of, you know, do those out of court um, arrangements? What would you call that? So I would also say to tap into your support network. So this is where I think um, organizations like support and growth can come in. Counseling. I don't think that we should be running, even though we may be feeling like we're going through a trying time in our families, you don't always have to jump the gun and think separation and divorce, it's all over. There are services that are available in our community that are here to serve us to give us a different way of looking at the picture and, and understand that these issues are complex. All of the issues that we raised earlier, it's not normally just one of those issues. They're usually compounded issues. And this is where speaking to a counselor would be able to help you to better identify it because going through this experience is really emotional. And sometimes when mm -hmm. you're emotional, you're not seeing as clearly. Okay. so. I've decided I'm, I, I'm, I no longer want to be with this person. Give me my like five steps. Five steps. So first things first, I still say, reach out to your support systems. Find out if there's a way that you can resolve it within the family or within your greater supports. Um, if you are dealing with domestic violence, I would encourage you to reach out to a local shelter. Um, it is important that uh, your safety is at first taking care of, because a lot of times, sometimes we're dealing with really urgent situations. So um, there are shelters that are servicing families. Um, and if there's any actual violence, of course, I will encourage you to contact the police, right? That's just an aside to deal with domestic violence situations. Outside of that, if you choose to speak to a lawyer or not, there are several resources online. I would like to encourage people to check out the Law Society of Ontario's referral service. 
there's actually a directory of lawyers there that can give you an idea of who practices what, as well as an online service for free consultation up to 30 minutes, right, with a lawyer, just in case you have some urgent questions that you're seeking some counsel on immediately. If your family as well is experiencing financial difficulty, there is the certificate program through Legal Aid Ontario. All of these um, resources are available online and phone numbers are available for you to tap in to them and they're prepared to help you. And essentially, once you've sort of navigated who your service providers may or may not be, you go on to complete forms. There's, there's family court forms available on the ministry website. And there, they literally have guides that can guide you through and give you sort of high-level ideas of the legal information that may help you to make your decisions. Of course, I still say rely on a lawyer. Yeah. But once you've gone on to uh, do the application, they the you do have to file the application with the court. And normally, just so you understand this too, you are required to file those uh, materials in the the region where the children ordina ordinarily reside. And if there's no children involved, then it's actually going to be where you reside because there are different courthouses throughout Ontario that service families and individuals locally. So, and Sorry. So I, I like you mentioned children. So my next question, I, I know, um, mm -hmm. I know you're, you're kind of finishing up there, but just answer it with it speak to also the best interests of kids you know because the kids are very important because i know one thing if an adult two adults are deciding to separate but you know if there's kids involved how do how do you kind of navigate the system okay so one of the things on a high level we we need to understand is when there has been a breakdown in the family and there is a separation um there are agreements like a separation agreement um parenting plans that can be devised and what typically guides the decisions that involve children, so we're talking about custody, access, child support, is the best interest of the child test. Now, that test um, is subjective, but it usually looks at the relationships between each parent and the child, as well as the emotional ties between the parents and the children. How long the children have lived in a stable environment so these are some of the factors that you're going to want to start thinking about when you're looking at dates, when the issues, when the family maybe came together, when the children were born, when did the issue start to take place? And then, you know, how did that progress? You also want to take a look at what is the parent's plan for the child's care or upbringing? The courts generally do not want to disrupt the status quo. Status quo meaning the way of life that the children are used to. So if you originally lived in Peel region and you have somebody who wants to move out of region, that individual is gonna have to justify why it would still be in the children's best interest for that move to happen, right? Otherwise, we're trying to ensure the status quo and the stability of the child's care and upbringing by keeping things the way that they normally have, even if there has been a change in the way that the parents our parenting, right? The other thing that the, the, the test looks at is the parent's ability to care for the child. 
So we discussed earlier the idea that some people may be struggling with addictions. Some people may also have um, disabilities or things that may inhibit or affect the way that the child um, is taken care of by a particular parent. And these are all things that the court is going to want to know. If the child is of age, the court is also going to want some insight into their views and their wishes. Because children are people too. They are their own and they have a voice and the court definitely looks to find ways to um, to understand what their wishes are so that whatever court order is made or whatever agreement is made amongst um, the parties, it ensures that their best interests are at the forefront. So I, I, we have one question that speaks to um, why do you know separations go messy? I know you, I guess they want the inside scoop. <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good question. I think a lot of it comes down to the way that your perspective on things, right? I mean, everything is always rosy and bright-eyed and butterflies and things are great when you're in love. But when there has been that breakdown, sometimes, you know, the glasses, the rosy glasses come off and we start to look at things a bit differently. And I would say to anyone that may be either approaching this, feel like they may be in a situation like this, um, one of the important parts of keeping or maintaining a healthy perspective is actually how you care for yourself, right? Self-care and care in terms of the well-being of the children and the activities that they're engaged in, which right now all of us are experiencing a change because of covid with social distancing and not being able to do the things that we normally do we have to think in alternative ways right so whether that's um still maintaining exercising or joining groups um, there's a lot of virtual therapy sessions whether they're individual sessions or group sessions, depending on how comfortable you feel sharing what's going on, that can help you to gain perspective. And what I would recommend is remember why you started in the first place. Remember why you might have fallen in love with that person or decided to create a family with that individual. Think about what your children are going through. And if you were looking at things through their lens, what would be in their best interests in terms of creating a situation presently and going forward that keeps their best interest at the forefront, keeps the malice and the messiness behind us. And we think about how we can approach things going forward. So the question is, are you seeing another one that just came? Are you seeing more entanglements due to COVID? I am. I am getting. <laughs> and, you know, I think what we're experiencing is COVID is forcing us to stop and think. Pre-COVID, we were go, 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 go. Even if we had issues at home, we weren't stopping to think about them because we could fill our time with other activities. Now, you can't be on the road doing other things, right? Everyone is at home. And so what you're finding is that we are having to navigate in a sort of a newness, a new system and Ideally, what you want to ensure is that you're still staying grounded by creating healthy support systems um, and reaching out for help when you need it in order for you to be able to feel supported as you grow through 
your family law issues, right? Um, whether you have been diagnosed with mental health or not, right? Mental health issues or not, this is a trying time. And so it's very important that you protect your peace, set your boundaries, learn to use your voice, right? You know, I, I think across all boards, we're seeing um, definitely um, a buildup of stress. And the stress is causing, you know, breakdowns in families and relationships, um, you know, just individual breakdowns as people, you know, struggle to cope and really um, continue to adjust to the ongoing changes and or uncertainty that we're dealing with. Um, right. I think, um, you know, family law is, is such a beautiful thing in terms of how it even connects with mental health. Because a lot of times all these stresses, all these things, scenarios that you kind of mentioned and discussed, these are all things that actually affect our mental health, you know. You spoke about self-care, you spoke about, you know, going through divorce, you spoke about entanglements. These are all things at the root of it, you know, these are things that also affect the individual's mental health. So from your lens, as you continue to work with people, how does family law and mental health kind of connect? What I've realized is I can't do this alone as a practitioner. And that's exactly what fostered this conversation. I've realized that as much as I try to connect with my clients in a way that is down to earth, informative, meets their needs, makes them feel comfortable to ask me questions um, that may, they may not feel comfortable asking other practitioners. What you find is that my lane is, is the legal lane, right? And so I'm here to support you through a legal process, mm -hmm. taking one part to another. But as I take you through those steps, you as an individual are evolving right? In terms of your mental, emotional, spiritual, physical being, that well-being is you are holistic. And so the services that our practice is now having to make sure that we're connecting and collaborating with are uh, organizations such as Support and Growth, where we can offer a team that offers integrative support. So when we're looking at a case, it's not just through one lens. We're looking at it from a legal lens. We're looking at it from, you know, a mental health lens, social working lens, making sure that if there's a need that we can't fulfill, we're connecting them to the right agency or organizations within the community that can fill that gap and support them. And what I think is also complementary to this is the conversation about culture and race, right? We COVID has been layered for several reasons. And I think the movement in terms of supporting local black and racialized businesses and organizations is something that when we're making a commitment, it's not just a matter of keeping the economic dollar in our community. It's actually because when you're getting services, you're getting services that are culturally tailored mm -hmm. and aware of what your needs are. Because our frame of reference may be similar to the people that we're serving, right? And that in and of itself, when you walk away, you walk away feeling whole when you've completed the legal process because it's not just about getting a, an agreement done or getting a court order issued. It's also ensuring that when you leave, you as an individual have grown from the situation and you can turn around and look at what may be the positive things that may have come out of the changes that you and your family have undergone. You know what, I really appreciate what you're saying because um, I think especially when we, as we deal with the complex cases that I'm sure you see and then we, and we see on our side, um, mm -hmm. it's always important that we make sure that we're, co we're connecting individuals to the right people that could actually help them and support them with 
some of the issues that or concerns or challenges that they're having. So I really kind of respect what you're saying in regards to really, you know, letting the right people do the right things for people. Because I think at the core of it, um, that's where we grow and actually help people kind of experience that growth that they want, especially through situations that's forcing them to step outside of their comfort zone by giving them the right support that actually kind of nurtures that experience and gives them the best possible outcomes. Um, I think um, as you spoke about, you know, making sure that it's racially appropriate services, I think that's also very important for the community. And so even working and connect, collaborating with yourself, even to do this chat and, you know, connect, connect, continuing to roll out services, but making sure that people have access to the services that they need um, to meet the individual needs. I think that's also super important. So I know there's a lot happening in the community for you and you're doing a lot of work internationally, locally. How do you balance all of that? I know people want to know because I know there's so much of us you know, who are struggling to do one thing, especially during a pandemic, but I'm reading your resume, I'm reading your bio and I'm like, I don't even know where to start or stop. How are you balancing everything? Well, first of all, thank you. I, what I find is making sure that I've taken care of myself first. Self-care is not a selfish act. It is important, especially when you're in stewardship and you're in a line of service that involves um, very emotionally driven at times um, offerings. You find that in order to be able to service people adequately and maybe even surpass their expectations, you have to make sure that you're in a space to be able to receive that and see clearly. So I'm, I'm big on organization. I'm big on self-reflection. So during COVID, I've taken some time out to think about how things have aligned in my career path. Um, I don't believe anything is uh, by chance. I am a purpose-driven individual. So I do believe that everything that is happening for both myself and you and the rest of our community, it's on purpose. And there's usually lessons involved in that that will help us to have a better idea of who we should become as we're growing through this pandemic. And the way I manage it, honestly, is time management systems, making sure that I take time out for myself, um, exercise, meditation, staying connected. So even though we may not be able to be physically connected, using these opportunities, technology has brought us closer if we use it to do so. And just making sure that we maintain a balance. Sometimes you do have to put the phone down. Sometimes you do have to get off of social media, create healthy boundaries that work for you. And honestly, comparison is the teeth the thief of joy, right? Mm -hmm. So I think a major thing in this is don't pay attention to what others are doing. Focus on what you as an individual desire. Listen to that voice inside and try and surround yourself or connect yourself with like-minded individuals so you can better further that purpose. Okay, so I know you're, you're a big advocate for the Jamaican-Canadian um, um, diaspora. And yeah. you have a lot of initiatives that you're supporting internationally. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Yes. So just to give you a bit of background, uh, last year, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Jamaica established the Global Jamaica Diaspora Council as a means to bridge the gaps between the country itself and the diaspora abroad. There were two seats available for representing the country over a three-year term, and I ran and thankfully was supported by the community to be a voice to help 
identify some of the issues that the community is going through here, as well as engage, empower, educate, and mobilize them so that we there's a sense of connected it connectedness. So my role is nonpartisan. I do not represent the government at all. I represent the people. And in fact, what we're designed to do is, as I mentioned before, just empower, educate, maybe be um, a voice when issues come up that are affecting the community, but also be an ear. I think more importantly, be an ear to understand what the generations are going through. Because the way that um, our elders have connected with Jamaica is maybe different from individuals like myself who are first-born Canadians with Jamaican heritage. And so um, that is a part of what my role is. Last month, I was fortunate enough to participate in Caribbean Heritage Month, where there were a bunch of different Diaspora Day activities that just shed light on some of the different initiatives and leadership roles that we've been doing worldwide. And more recently, on a local front, I have been meeting with um, the Consulate of Jamaica, as well as the High Commission in Ottawa on a weekly basis since COVID started, just to understand what some of the needs have been for our community. Um, many requests have come in from international students or stranded visitors mm -hmm. that were here because the borders had closed, as well as Canadian citizens and permanent residents that are of Jamaican heritage um, that are considered vulnerable members of our society. And one of the cool initiatives that we got a chance to create, which was really created by different individuals, churches, organizations, was the uh, Jamaican Canadian Emergency Response Fund. That was a fund and is still an active fund that has been fueled by two telethons that we had in May and June. We've raised over $14,000 and we have been um, issuing funds by way of grocery cards to vulnerable applicants nationwide. To date, we've, just, we've issued just under $4,000 in relief. Um, after this, I'll be meeting with them to do July's disbursement. And I've been chairing that deciding committee, and it's really given me true insight into some of the issues that are happening with our, within our community. And I'm hoping it's a fund or an initiative that can continue um, as we hopefully go beyond COVID and maybe have to address issues that impact so, thereafter. Another question that came, I think I'm yep. a bit interested in this question too. As a family lawyer, how do you navigate relationships? That's such a good question. Um, I'm going to tell you this. Practicing family law has not made me jaded, right? I still believe in love. I still believe that we should lead with love, okay? Um, it has made me obviously more informed in terms of rights and obligations. Um, but it has not jaded that perspective at all. Because one of the beautiful things that comes from practicing in this area is being able to get some insight into what's happening in other families and maybe being a voice of reason to help try and stabilize through changes and see the positive things that might have come out of it. And I just, I practice in a way that I would want someone to practice if I found myself in, in that situation. Mm -hmm. So I'm still enthusiastic. I'm still, I still believe in love and I still believe in the family right? And understanding that families take on different 
perspectives or they look different, right? There's blended families. Um, there's illegitimate children, right? There's single parent homes. There's a lot of fathers out there that are fighting to be a part of their children's lives. Like there's a lot of myths that get dispelled when you're practicing law because you realize that it's not necessarily what I guess the stereotypes project. When you're actually in it, a lot of these people are, are really just maybe hurt by what's transpired. And what you're hoping to do is support them in keeping the best interest of the child at the forefront if there are involved. And if there aren't, you know, making sure that we still treat each other in a way that's reasonable, fair, and respectable. So when you sleep at night, you're not worrying about what you did to someone else because you, you did it with love. So I know when we spoke, you, you mentioned that, you know, a, a lot of times that when you work with clients, you spoke about positive outcomes. You know, you get a lot of feedback. What is, what is positive outcomes for a lawyer in court? So in terms of my practice, because I can only speak to that, I'm about trustworthy, cost-effective, and efficient service, okay? I don't like arguing over things that we can honestly find a solution to. I'm always about problem solving, right? So if, if someone chose to work with me, they would be looking at a practitioner who approaches it from a more collaborative standpoint. We're looking for ways for the individuals to feel empowered. And that normally comes by them actually preparing agreements where they're in the driver's seat because they're getting to review the terms, they're getting to devise them. And it's something that they're okay with and they can live with, right? As long as the other legal tests are met. If we find that we're not able to come to an agreement and it does have to go before the court and the court is, is um the court is required to make a decision. One of the things that we really try and keep out of that purview is empowering people to make decisions on their own. So we try to encourage them to actually settle because the minute that it goes before a judge, the judge is in the driver's seat and the, par the parties are in the passenger seat and they literally just have to go where the court is going. So my recommendation is do your best to try and um, come to an agreement, whether it's through mediation, right, or through the assistance of a lawyer, get your agreements organized, because otherwise, it is up to the courts. And it really comes down to the evidence that you present, and the persuasiveness of your arguments in order for the judge to make a decision. You know, one thing that's always kind of caught my mind is, you know, I remember my child welfare days, I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've interacted with some individuals that will spend Oh, I've spent $150,000 in court. And then now you have no money for, you know, the child to go to university or this, or you lost your house. My question is, what, 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 what do you think of that? You know, in terms of that fight, that struggle, especially when things are intense, right? How should people have a mindset? Because if you utilize all the resources, I'm just kind of trying to think out loud. You sure. utilize all your life's resources in court. And now, you, you know, yes, you won or you didn't even get the outcome you wanted. Right? How can people kind of really um, actually make a decision that, you know, maybe, um, you know, you give a little bit, but you actually don't lose your and become homeless in the process? Right. So I'm glad you raised that because what I think exactly, uh, um, what I think about that is we don't want to be hundreds of thousands out. We don't want to have actually negatively impacted 
our children and our legacy because we spent so much time arguing about issues that if we'd taken a step back, maybe utilize the supports of a counselor, That's right? It. Right? Utilize the supports of your lawyer. Listen to your lawyer, right? Take time to digest it. I know sometimes when we're advising, we unfortunately are in task with the job of sharing news that our, our clients don't want to hear, right? And so if you want to try to mitigate your expenses and try and keep things low, my thought process is go in with a big picture mindset. Think about where you'd like to see yourself and your family at the, at the end of the road, right? And then use that sort of as your dream lines then in terms of how you then navigate the process. So if you think big picture, you still want to be able to fund your children's education. Maybe you help them with their um, getting married or buying them a car or putting away some funds in a trust fund for them, right? Or investments, buying shares, right? Thinking legacy and long-term in terms of how we manage our money. You're then going to say to yourself, okay, upfront, it probably is an investment to get a lawyer, right? Because you may actually go through more stress and delay the inevitable trying to do it yourself. I'm not saying that's the case with everyone, but sometimes that is. And then work with a practitioner that has a cost-effective and maybe collaborative mindset, right? Because ideally, it's not about how much money I make off of your case. It's about the outcome of your case. That's, that's the it. focus of our practice. The motto, actually, of our firm is making a difference is our practice. That's how we measure our results, the difference that we've made in your life. And we're, we're usually focusing on making a positive difference, right? That's it. So... No. Yeah. No, I think I think you hit it right on the ball because a lot of times, you know, we go into things and especially, you know, separation or even relationship issues and they're very, um, they trigger a lot of emotions and stress and, you know, changes and uncertainty. Um, so it's always important as, you know, Naila's saying for you to have your family consult with, you know, have your support system. Um, second thing, consult with a, a legal profession. Um, if you are in a situation where there is, you know, violence in, involved, you know, do connect with services, appropriate services in the community, and always, always, always take care of yourself, even if you're going through very difficult times. It starts with you being able to, you know, mind yourself, mind your children, and then, you know, continuing to have a positive outcome and a big picture that you want, especially if you're going through um, an aggressive process. So really, we're so, so, so happy to have you here because, you know, what, you just probably saved me some, some, you gave me a lot of tips to save me in the future. So I'm so happy for you to share this information and we're hoping that in the future we could get you back on just to kind of get some more tips on how to develop our relationships, you know, how to even support our relationships, even if they're going through negative times and how to put the kids first and actually decide and actually identify what is best interest for yourself and the children both. Um, so as we end today, do you have any words of encouragement to the community? Just, you know, anything just to kind of share on the top of your head. Absolutely. I want everyone to remember that you're not defined by your circumstances, right? Life is what you make it. So even though you may be going through testing times, if you do follow the self-care, the support, um, and get an idea of what success looks like, so those are three S's, self-care, support, and success from the big picture standpoint, right? You're more likely to come out of your situation with a positive mindset and being the best version of yourself. 
right? And just know that you're not alone. There's so many families, there's so many individuals going through difficult times right now, and they're layered. So be sure that if you're going through something to reach out, I'm available. We have a website. All of this information is available actually through my Instagram account at naila.gd. That's N-A-I-L-A-H dot G-D. You can email us. You can call us. Our office is located in the heart of Brampton. We're still servicing you through these times, although it may look a bit different than the way that it's been. But we're here to connect with you and we're here to support you as you grow. You know what? Um, and just to add to that, it does not matter what you're going through, even if as all challenges are meant to, you know, inspire you and help you kind of become and develop yourself to become and actually hopefully come out on the other side, a better person. Um, so let's just not go through things. Let's find different ways to grow. And that's our model here also as support and growth. You know, we want to help people continue to, you know, get through their challenges and actually find ways to come out of things positively. Um, next week, we're so happy to have with us on our next segment, we're going to be having Sandra Francisco coming on. Sandra rocked our first session on business and entrepreneurship and mental health and really gave us a lot of tips on how to identify your passion. Next week, she's coming on to give us a part two on once you found your passion, what you're supposed to do with it. So anybody who's, you know, was following our previous one, we're talking to the entrepreneurs that are listening talking to anybody who's struggling during this COVID-19, struggling to recreate yourself, redevelop yourself. Um, it's all about entrepreneurship and business development next week and mental health as always. So we're super, super excited. And we hope to have you guys back here. So please share this video with your friends. And we thank Naila. Once again, it's Naila, N-A-I-L-A dot G-D. No, add an H. So N-A-I-L-A-H dot G-D. Okay, you heard it straight from her. We're following. If you're looking for her, you can find her through our page also. Um, so we're super happy to have you here. Thank you very much, Naila. Thank you.